Hi, we're the Misery Machine. I'm Yergi. And I'm Drewby. And this week we're doing a case that's been highly requested for us to revisit, and that's the Delphi murders. Yes, we did the original case in April of last year, and we thought with the possibility of a new suspect found, right now would be a really great time to revisit it. Yes, absolutely. And if you're listening on YouTube, if you could please hit like and subscribe. We've just passed 5,200 subscribers. Thank you to everyone that has helped us Thank out so, you so far. Much. Without further ado, the Delphi murders, part two. Last year, we covered the infamous murder case known as the Delphi Murders, which is one of the most heavily publicized unsolved crimes in modern history. One cannot Google the name Delphi without the case coming up as a top search result. The murders have received significant media coverage because a video and audio recording of an individual believed to be the killer was found on one of the victim's smartphones. Despite thousands of tips that have been sent to the police and the circulation of the recordings of the suspect, no arrests in the case has ever been made. So if you haven't listened to the episode, please feel free to go back and do so. But for now, we're going to go ahead and recap for you a bit about the tragic case. At 1.35 p.m. on Monday, February 13th, 2017, 13-year-old Abby Williams and 14-year-old Liberty Libby German were dropped off by German's older sister on County Road 300 North, east of Hoosier Heartland Highway. The girls were hiking on the Monon High Bridge over Deer Creek, among woodland and remote Deer Creek Township. At 2.07 p.m., Libby posted a photo of Abby walking the bridge, and after this, they weren't heard from again. They were reported missing at 5.30 p.m. after they failed to meet Libby's father at 3.15. The families initially searched for the girls themselves before calling the police. Authorities who quickly searched the area did not initially suspect foul play in their disappearances. However, this changed when the bodies of the girls were found around noon the next day, roughly a half a mile east of the bridge on the north bank of Deer Creek. Police, even to this day, have not released details of how these two girls were murdered. So over the years, police have released composite sketches of the suspects, both of which look vastly different and are based on eyewitness accounts to a certain hiker of the Delphi Historic Trails on the day that the girls vanished. They've also released to the public a still image of an individual reportedly seen on the Monon High Bridge Trail near where the two friends were slain. The grainy photograph appears to capture a Caucasian male, hands in pockets, walking on the rail bridge head down towards the girls. Also released was an audio recording where the voice of the suspect, through some degree muffled, is heard to say, Officials credited the source of the audio in the imagery to German's smartphone and further regarded her as a hero for recording this exchange in secret. Yeah, I mentioned this in the last episode, and I cannot stress enough every time that I see this for a girl that young in a situation of danger like that to have the wherewithal to know to record at least part of that and get an image of the person, this could be the difference between the case being solved and not. I can't imagine where we would be in this case nowadays had she not gotten that picture and that audio recording. So if you followed this case, you know there's been several suspects. And we won't go too deeply into many of them. There was four major ones last time we covered this. There was Paul Etter, and he died by suicide after a standoff with police. Some people still believe it was him. Then there's Daniel J. Nations. He was a registered sex offender from Indiana. 
Also, Thomas Bruce, a former pastor who was charged with fatally shooting one woman and sexually assaulting two others. Then there was Charles Eldritch, which at the time I felt strongly about. I did as well. He was arrested on charges of child molestation and child solicitation, and he bore a very strong resemblance to the composite sketch. Now, before I go into the next two, it really should be mentioned with the composite sketch. The police and the family have urged people to not jump to too many conclusions and just rely on comparisons of the composite sketch alone. Because if you look at the side-by-sides of a few of these suspects, there is some striking resemblance. And I'll have to admit, the reason why I felt so strongly about Eldridge was how similar he looked to the sketch. As time went on, you'll see that there's more people who bear striking resemblance to sketches. So that's why we can't put our full faith in things like this. Now, for the two that were not mentioned last episode, there was Jason Wilhelm. He was brought up in conversations involving the Delphi murders in 2020. I'm not sure if the police formally named him a suspect, but I did read that he was mentioned as a person of interest. So believe he's not convicted yet, but facing charges of 11 different rape cases in Lafayette, Indiana, stealing firearms after drugging a man in Tennessee, possession of a firearm as a felon, falsifying his identity to pawn a gun, among other charges. He was found in Key West, and apparently it's a felony there to enter the Keys without letting law enforcement know that you as a felon are entering the area. He's still currently awaiting trial from what I've seen, but the reason why people really felt it was Wilhelm was because of his resemblance to the picture. And one other thing people do is they'll play the down the hill clip. And there's a clip of Wilhelm saying the word hill. And people thought that this was a complete match. I didn't necessarily think so, but I understand where people are coming from. People want this case to be solved. It's been four years this past February, but I strongly urge people to resist these types of temptations because as we get into this next person, after seeing the comparison sketch, as well as hearing his voice, I thought at first that they found the person responsible for the murders of Abby and Libby. So on April 27th, 2021, Indiana State Police detectives named James Brian Shadwell II as a new person of interest in the Delphi murders. In Lafayette, about 20 miles away from Delphi, a nine-year-old girl was reported missing on April 19th, 2021. So some news say that she was 10, but a lot more say nine, so we're going with nine. Officers were canvassing her neighborhood, and they spoke with 42-year-old James Chadwell II on Park Avenue, who allegedly said that the girl had been at his home earlier but had since left. Police then asked Chadwell for his permission to check his home, to which he agreed, and in his basement, which he had secured with a chain and a lock, officers found the missing girl who was visibly distraught and crying with her clothing on the floor beside her. The young girl said Chadwell tried to kill her. She told police that she was in Chadwell's home petting his dogs. He owns two pit bulls, I believe. And then he attacked her, hitting her in the head multiple times. The girl said that Chadwell was choking her with his hands on her neck and also used his arm in a headlock to the point where she passed out. She then stated that most of her clothes were off when she regained consciousness and Chadwell took her into the basement where he sexually assaulted her. He attempted to have sexual intercourse with her and then made her perform oral sex on him. 
She suffered canine bite marks from his dogs biting her, as well as strangulation marks on her neck, black eyes and bruising on her head, as well as her arms and her legs. A post on Facebook from a woman who said she was related to the nine-year-old victim claimed Chadwell, quote, strangled her so bad blood came out of her eyes. Her trachea is damaged to where all she can do is eat through a straw. If it hadn't been for the speed of the Lafayette Police Department arriving on the scene, she would be dead. She was only nine. He's punching her and his pit bull is biting her. End quote. Chadwell faces charges including attempted murder, child molestation, attempted child molestation, kidnapping, criminal confinement resulting in serious bodily injury, battery resulting in serious bodily injury, strangulation, which I didn't know was a charge, but I guess it is. It's actually a felony charge. I was surprised about that, too. And being a habitual offender. A not guilty plea was entered on Chadwell's behalf. His next hearing is set for June 10th, and it's been noted that Chadwell has been in and out of jail since he was a teenager. His body is covered in tattoos, which is not a big deal. Mine is slightly as well. One across his chest says rebellious, but it's another tattoo of a face on his upper arm that's drawing a lot of attention right now on social media. Because some say and some see an uncanny resemblance to Libby German. I do not think this looks like her. I personally don't think so either. I think this is a situation where people want this case solved and I'm fully behind that. So they see some things and they just want to make connections. I just don't see the resemblance. I don't either. So his brother Ashley Chadwell has stated that he believes it's a newer tattoo and that he had gotten it after his last release from prison. Ashley has also stated that his brother tried to drown him when he was just four years old. Yeah, there has been some interviews with the family. His brother, and I believe it was his stepfather they interviewed, said, yes, he's completely capable of murder. He's an evil person, and he should be locked up for the rest of his life. Yep, his stepfather said to throw the key out this time. Yeah, they had no hesitancy saying this at all. I have to applaud the police department on going with their gut to insist on checking his home because I can't imagine if they gave it any more time what would have happened to that girl. So Chadwell had a lengthy criminal history in Indiana and South Dakota for a variety of crimes, including criminal recklessness with a deadly weapon, aggravated assault, being a felon in possession of a firearm, OUI, receiving stolen property, criminal mischief and trespass, public intoxication, resisting arrest, battery resulting in bodily injury, and criminal recklessness resulting in serious injury. And just name a few, this is not a complete list. Some of the most recent charges, I believe, were in 2020. He was still currently on probation at the time of his arrest. I believe he has the longest rap sheet out of all the suspects so far in the Delphi case. So since his arrest, many web sleuths have been examining his social media closely for clues. Chadwell made an ominous Facebook post that reads, quote, I'm in love with a little redhead. You make my soul smile. I'll chase you till I can't walk and then I'll chase you in my wheelchair, end quote. Although this could be a bit of a stretch, some have speculated he could be referring to Abby Williams. I think it's a bit of a stretch, too. I think it is as well. I mean, given what I've seen of his social media, I think this guy just talks nonsense a lot, but I'll get into that in a bit. Yeah. So he's also shared numerous posts and photos where he has an affinity for the woods and the outdoors, as well as a picture of a railroad bridge. In June 2020, he wrote a post that said, quote, sleeping under a bridge for a while till work starts, only 10 days, cool, dry, no neighbors, and the bridge is only six minutes from work. 
Be thankful for the little things, end quote. I would post up some of the audio of his TikTok videos, but there's a lot of long pauses and nonsensical things. So I'll just try to summarize for you. It's a lot of him posting, thanking everyone for good vibes. But then there's other things of him saying just random things like, I only want a woman over 30 years old. I don't need these girls on TikTok showing their boobs and things like that. And then there's some more darker stuff. I've heard this cited twice that he made some post about how he was arrested for beating somebody who broke into his house, but he was arrested, but he's out now thankful for the little things. He's made a couple posts talking about people who want to pick on little people. And I think his final post before he was arrested, it was one, it was pretty long, a lot of pauses. If you want some, come get some. Quit praying on little people. There's more than enough to go around. Come find me or I will find you. And then after that, his TikTok was deleted. His Facebook, I believe, has since been deleted. I can't find it any longer. I've only seen screen caps of it. It's completely obvious to me that this is an evil person. But I want to caution people that just because this is an evil person doesn't mean that he's responsible for the murder of Abby and Libby. He's only a suspect right now due to the proximity of the abduction and sexual assault of the nine-year-old girl found in his basement. However, of course, those of us following the case closely hope from the bottom of our hearts that the families of all the young victims involved will soon have closure that they desperately deserve. This year, an anonymous donor added $100,000 to the reward fund in Abby and Libby's case. The reward is now up to $325,000. Anyone with information on the Delphi case is asked to contact Abby and Libby Tip at CACOSHRF.com. That will be in the YouTube description and the show notes. And again, I must stress there's been a lot of evil people in this area of Indiana. This is why we have so many suspects. This Chadwell guy absolutely seems like he could fit the bill, but he may not. I want you all to be prepared for that. I do hope that in the very least, he's brought to justice for assaulting this nine-year-old girl and almost killing her. And maybe, just maybe, he knows somebody or something connected to Abby and Libby's murder and he'll talk now that he's in custody. That's all I really have to say about that. I think we need to talk a little bit as well about the Delphi area, the Lafayette area, just in general, so people have kind of an idea of what we're working with here. I do have a friend that lives in the area. They are originally from Maine, and they went to school out in that area. I guess it's very different than what we're dealing with here. You have Lafayette proper, then it becomes very rural very quickly, and people are shooting guns that's in their backyard. That's not uncommon here in Maine. Not really uncommon here, but where you have a big college there. I don't know. Maybe I'm speaking nonsense right now. Yeah, I'd, I'd have to be there to see just how so close too. it is. But if it, if there is a lot of shooting off in proximity to a college that I would think is jarring, especially if it's a big college. Right. People are coming from a long ways away <laughs> to be there. They're probably not used to those types of things where we are in Maine. Right. They also let me know that there was a professor at the university that 
was a pedophile. And the university tried to hush it up very, very quickly and just get rid of him. A lot of places tend to take that approach. I remember in the call center we worked with yes. somebody who was the head of a certain department. Not sure if he was a pedophile, though there were murmurs, but he was definitely sexually harassing people on the campaign. And they walked him out real quiet. Right. <laughs> so I think that's just to protect themselves. But this area, there's been a lot of criticism around the sheriff's department, specifically Sheriff Tobe Lesenby. And I believe I said that correct. His term is up in 2022. And I wonder how this will affect the case. I really hope it will be positive because, again, very mixed feelings on how he's handled the case. I've read from multiple people, though I couldn't find an official source, so take this for what this is worth, that he called off the initial search for Abby and Libby. And many people feel that he has gotten in the way of the investigation. He himself has admitted that he was a suspect in the initial investigation because if you take off the glasses and shave off his facial hair, he kind of sort of looks like one of the photos. And we have a clip of him admitting to this right here. But if the Carroll County Sheriff lost his glasses and changed his beard, and you would look like one right, of the suspects. Right. And ironically, I was listed as a suspect in initial investigation. Believe it or not, it should be mentioned about the Carroll County Sheriff's Department that they had a deputy that was involved in quite a vile charge. This is deputy, former deputy Jason Dunning of the Carroll County Sheriff's Department in 2017 was charged with making an unlawful proposition towards a couple. And for those unfamiliar, that means he solicited them for sex in exchange for money. I've read other accounts of this that there was a little bit of aggression as well as some intense phone calls on top of this after the woman in question refused. Sheriff Lesenby states that Jason Dunning was off duty at the time, but I haven't seen any sources confirm Lesenby's statement. So is it possible the narrative's controlled here? I don't know. It would be hard for me to believe that deputy, former deputy Dunning was not using his position as a police officer to be more convincing in his argument, let's say. And Dunning's defense was that he was trying to do a prostitution bust. However, in doing something like that, you have to get the approval or at least notify the sheriff in question, which he did not. He has since resigned and received a 180-day sentence that has been suspended, unfortunately, but is currently on probation. He cannot possess a firearm or consume drugs or alcohol that have not been prescribed him by a doctor. It is troubling to me that a deputy in this sheriff's department was brazen enough to do that. And again, these, these are just things that I hear about how inept the sheriff's department is from people online. Well, it's quite a big boys club from what I understand, including, including the coroner, which is an elected position out there. So I've never heard of a coroner being an elected position. And you have more information on this as you know a lot about mortuary science, but already it's a big boys club anyways, correct? The death industry really is a big boys club. It's filled with rich or well-to-do white old men. I mean, it's changing now. A lot more women are entering the industry. But I mean, it is kind of what it is. And at the time when you were trying to enter it, you were very much blocked based absolutely, on your gender. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. They would allow 
other men in for internships, things of that nature. But I was blocked by everyone like a 50 mile radius. Yeah, because other students that you Mm -hmm. went to the program you're going to, you knew that they all got apprenticeships. None of them faced the type of hardship that you were doing. So we have that culture, which again is getting better. But I assume in this area of Indiana, more rural place, I would wager to guess that it's a bit more behind the times. Then on top of that, being a coroner is an elected position. That means it's a political position, an influenceable position. I just wonder what's happened. Uh, Some people have criticized the coroner in general. And I think that's more because the autopsy was sealed. And this isn't uncommon in cases like this, but people have strongly criticized why is so much information kept out of the media when it's been four years. And, you know, I'm not here to be either way that they should or they shouldn't. I think that's past my expertise, but I understand the argument is, is if you volunteer too much information, then you get a lot of false reports, people falsely claiming to have committed it. And it's much easier to nail down a suspect if you're able to confirm evidence and information that is not known by the general public. So again, this has been four years, and four years is far too long of a time. I'm very happy that it's high profile around the country, and I very much hope that when Sheriff Lesenby's term is up in 2022, that we get the change we need in this case, if not sooner. But that's all I have to say about that. Me as well. So if you're listening on YouTube, please hit like and subscribe. This is the easiest way to support our channel and help our growth. We have just recently passed 5,000 subscribers. That's all thanks to people like you. I really appreciate all the help so far. And if you're not listening on YouTube, that's okay. Any platform that you're listening on, hitting the subscribe button helps us get to the next level as a podcast. And if you happen to be listening on Apple or any place where you can leave a written review, if you could leave a five-star and a written review letting us know where you're from. We really want to know where more of our listeners are from. You can also do this in the comment section on YouTube. Looking over the demographics, it was really interesting last month. We had a very large demographic from Hungary. A lot of Hungarian listeners. And then there was a big spike in In Norway this month. In Norway, as well as we were high up on the Japanese true crime charts as well. So we were, we were number 41. Yeah. So again, very happy to see things like that, but I love hearing from listeners. So let us know. There are also a very wonderful group of people who have decided to go the extra step to become our Patreon subscribers. So let's thank those people now. Yeah, so thank you. Eddie Rowan, Marky Holly, Ashley Vu, Anna Lauren, Serena Chloe, Mark Tara, Sophie, Neil and Karen, David and Karina, Dom and Liz, Jen, Mo, Jenny, Nora, Robin, Tom, Dylan, Kaylee, Alex, Jacob, Victoria, Dakota and Kitty, Bailey, Lindsay, Stephen, Casey, C. Asia, Amanda, Kevin, Patricia, Karen and Levi. And Levi, our highest tier Patreon supporter. There's his lovely picture right now. And if you to want to become a patron patreon.com slash the misery machine you get access to all of our secret episodes you get access to our secret snapchat and discord groups you get one of our free stickers and you may even get a postcard a haunted postcard a haunted from yergi postcard from yergi and her witch magic yes i have to send them out this month patreon.com slash the misery machine so if you want to get in on the postcards you probably should sign up in the next couple of days yes But until next week, we love you. We love you. Bye. Bye.